Most of you have probably heard one way or another by now that with the parish's help, a few weeks ago, my family and I made an offer on a small home here in Mill Valley. True to form, I had just left for general convention and was sitting on the ground in Anaheim when word came through that, much to our surprise, the offer had been accepted. And then it started to turn into one of those experiences that you all might relate to in your own lives. If we knew what we had really been getting into, we might never have done it. (laughs) Finding a lender, moving mountains of paperwork, the anxieties, the negotiating, the bending over backwards for banks and agents and loan officers. It's easy to wonder about that strange dream of home ownership whether the stability of promises is really worth all the trouble and uncertainty that comes with trying to beat the deadlines, of being hungry for something that might never happen, of struggling mightily for an uncertain outcome. There's something, quite honestly, that feels mildly obscene about offering nearly half a million dollars for a modest two-bedroom condominium in Mill Valley. It's a huge commitment for a relatively small piece of the scarce bread that we call real estate in Marin. Bread that's scarce even in the midst of one of the most thundering, devastating economic downturns in living memory. As members of your vestry and my family have burnt up countless hours the past few weeks, jockeying agreements and paperwork into position, trying to make it work, knowing in the back of our minds about countless others panting in line behind us, secretly hoping the little condo falls out of escrow if our deal with the bank heads south or simply runs the clock down. I am reminded of the hungry multitude sitting on the mountainside and Philip and Andrew wondering aloud before their master and savior if the few baskets are really worth sharing. Might it not be better to quietly hoard them for the most faithful apostles and send the crowds away to fend for themselves? or perhaps cast lots to see who among the disciples is worthy to receive a portion of the daily bread and perhaps a morsel of fish. You see, things haven't changed much in 2,000 years. One of the gnawing anxieties of the human condition has been, and probably always shall be, scarcity. And our economy, like that of every economy before it, must reckon with our sense of lack, our unsatisfied hungers, our view of God's creation as somehow limited in what it can provide us. So we attempt in our hearts and minds to lean on a sort of meritocracy. Those who compete and win deserve the most. Or we fall prey to the forces of random chance, casting lots and calling forth fatalistic notions of God's will in whatever we end up with. 
And then there's that third way, that third way that all of us as good capitalists are hardwired to chafe at. That socialist notion that someone, somewhere, knows best how to divide up the baskets carefully so that everyone will get at least something, no matter how small. But then we look around and we see the kind of privation that continues to blight the lives of ordinary Cubans the privation that has brought death to millions of North Koreans just in the past two decades. And that witness demonstrates the truth. And that is that even a thoroughgoing scheme by a centralized power to divide up the resources cannot satisfy the world's needs. We still require something different. Three weeks ago, as the Triennial General Convention of the Episcopal Church began in Anaheim, a crowd of faithful Christians from across the church filled a large meeting room in the Convention Center Hilton. In the lap of luxury known only to relatively small portion of the world's population, we gathered to mull over our hungers for a starkly trimmed budget for the Episcopal Church in the next triennium. Rumors had been before we even started that we were facing a $14 million shortfall. We got to Anaheim to learn that that number had ballooned to $23 million. Grumbling was already circulating about the dioceses who hadn't paid their assessments to the wider church in quite some time. And so people spoke for over an hour to the beleaguered program budget and finance committee, or for those of you who like to be general convention junkies like me, we call it PB and F. It's the committee charged with making the painful decisions that affect our common life around our resources. And I was reminded as they sat there listening to the testimony of our vestry agonizing over staff cuts early this year of local community nonprofit boards wrestling with similar challenges across the country, of food pantries turning away the hungry, of the emptying discretionary funds of this and many parishes while the phone continues to ring mercilessly with the cry of human need. And I was reminded of the temptations to blame and the paralyzing ineptitudes that blight our state governments and haunt our nation's capital. And I don't have to say any more than that, do I? But PBNF, to their credit, bit the proverbial bullet, and they presented a painful but balanced budget for approval by general convention. Through it, they cut the positions of some dear friends who will now be looking for work They phased out favored programs. They radically altered the way the Episcopal Church does mission and ministry for the foreseeable future. So radically, in fact, we're not quite sure what the Episcopal Church is going to look like in three, five, or ten years. For sure, the next general convention will be pared back in scale considerably. 
and it will be shorter. And traveling widely for various interim meetings is giving way to far less expensive telecommuting and video conferencing. And all of this pairing back reflects the cutbacks of the wider world, which many of you know too well. But the one thing PBNF insisted on keeping was the 1% commitment of the budget to helping the world's most impoverished. And in presenting the budget, they said our insistence at your request is on the practice of sharing first. In a budget that reflected an almost unprecedented sense of scarcity in what has been historically one of the wealthiest Protestant denominations, we said something about today's gospel, which is about an audacious insistence on abundance even in the face of scarcity. Philip's assertion to Jesus today is simply this. Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. Even a little. So why bother? God in Christ's response to Philip is the ancient and yet still very much essential response to our living in a world that is often structured around scarcity. And that response is the Christian one, and that is to give thanks, to share of what we have, to bank not on interest, but on the abundance of God's grace that nourishes the root of life itself. It's a Eucharistic image one that subverts the very struggles we all face these days, whether we're trying to get into the housing market or hang on to our jobs or simply keep what we have or balance our budgets. God's Eucharistic economy is not built on scarcity, nor is it built on cold, calculating distribution of goods by a higher power, nor is it ultimately constructed on competition or supply-side studies, it is built on an abundant love that refuses to give in, refuses to give in to the voices that say, there is never enough. For me, as underwriting does its painstaking work at this time, this is a message that cuts that Gordian knot of competition for a little piece of the real estate pie in Mill Valley that reminds me of the humility of seeking out a few roots for family, that puts me back in touch with the struggles of my sisters and brothers who have much harder things to reckon with than buying a condominium. And it puts me in touch again with why Church of Our Savior is here to begin with, and what our mission going forward is fundamentally about. 
The truth is, our ultimate problem in the face of God's grace is not one of scarcity. Let me say that again. Our ultimate problem as a spiritual people in the face of God's grace is not one of scarcity. Instead, it's one of generosity. Our ultimate challenge is to give to one another and a world in need as God gives to us. To discover the economy that emerges as we share out of even the little that we have. And how that subverts the greed and the pain of the present hour in the world. Even as we are terrified by the approach of such an abundant God as this, we are reminded at this table that Jesus says, It is I. Do not be afraid. An abundant message for a troubled time such as ours, and a reminder that we are each nourished beyond words, nourished by a God who made us, who saves us, and who will never leave us alone. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.